Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Money Girl Podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and award-winning author based in Austin, Texas. If you're ready for more knowledge, resources, and motivation to manage your money the best way possible, you're definitely in the right place. My goal for every episode is to leave you with some practical tips, leave you a little smarter, actually, give you the tactics that you can use right away to take control of your finances and create a richer life. In today's show, we're going to talk about getting a raise. It's that time of year when you may have received a pay raise or even gotten a year-end bonus, and you could be unsure about the right way to spend it. That's a really quality problem to have, so congratulations if you are getting a bigger paycheck than you did last year or last quarter. But before you're tempted to spend a windfall on something frivolous, this show is about how to use it to create more financial security instead. So in this podcast, I'll cover six strategies to wisely manage extra money so you don't fritter away an exceptional opportunity to improve your finances and build wealth. To see the notes from this episode and all the resources that I'm going to mention, just go to the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. You'll see a section called Money Girl's Recent Tips. Look for episode number 484 called Got a Pay Raise? Six Wise Strategies to Manage Your Extra Money. One of the first impulses we usually have after getting a bigger paycheck or any unexpected income for that matter, like a tax refund, which you may be getting also this time of year, or an inheritance, the first thing we think about is to upgrade our lifestyle. You might think, wow, it's time to buy a bigger home or move into a better apartment, get that fancy new car I've been thinking about, or join a gym or exclusive country club. Increasing your expenses to match your income is called lifestyle creep. And it's one of the biggest dangers to your financial future because it doesn't seem like a bad idea or something crazy at the time. You might believe that you deserve to buy something pricey or to make a luxurious lifestyle change after working hard for your raise or bonus. And maybe you can afford it on paper. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy your additional income. Certainly, that's why we work, right? But what I recommend is that you take a really hard look at your finances and use this opportunity to strengthen your foundation before committing to bigger expenses or to luxury purchases. Letting extra cash just slip through your fingers to finance a more expensive car or pay for more rent means that you're missing a huge opportunity to build long-lasting wealth. So now's the time to refocus your goals. And if you missed the previous Money Girl podcast called The Simple Truth Behind Growing Rich, that will help you figure out what you want to accomplish with your life and finances. Think about questions like, should I make a career change or start a business? How would I handle an unexpected financial hardship? What type of lifestyle do I want in retirement? Do I want to retire early? Would my family be safe without me or my income? So thinking through tough questions like these can help you know how your extra money can help you get what you want out of life. And if you don't know what you're working toward or what you really want to accomplish, you'll never end up where you want to be. The Greek philosopher Seneca wrote, If a man knows not to which port he sails, no wind is favorable. 
In other words, if you don't have a clear plan or purpose for your life or money, you're just getting blown around. You end up reacting to situations in a way that don't help your life as a whole. And another great podcast to really focus in on what you want is number 477 called How to Stay Disciplined and Do More with Your Money. So with that context, I'd like you to use these six strategies to manage your extra income wisely. And the first is to fortify your emergency fund. The best way to make sure you're ready when bad luck strikes is to prepare for it today. No matter if you have a small, unexpected expense like a car repair or something major like getting sick or losing your job, you need a financial safety net. Devastating events are tough enough to handle without also being stressed about money. So when you don't have a financial cushion to soften the blow of a large expense or the loss of income, what happens is you end up relying on credit cards. And yes, it is a good idea to have credit as a last resort, but please understand that it's an expensive option because high interest gets added to your account month after month until you pay the entire balance off. For many, using a credit card as an emergency backstop puts you in a huge financial hole that can take decades to climb out of. That's why your number one financial priority before doing anything else, such as investing or paying down debt, should be to accumulate an emergency fund. And studies show that 46% of Americans could not come up with $400 to cover an unexpected expense. Guys, please don't be a part of that statistic. Have plenty of money to keep you safe in the bank. You want at least a couple months worth of your living expenses and ideally a minimum of six months on hand. That can give you a tremendous amount of peace and financial security. You'll know that you've got money to deal with just about any distressing situation that blows into your life. So if you don't have a healthy emergency fund sitting safely in a bank savings account, Use every bit of your pay raise or bonus to start building one. Get a tax refund this April? Well, just pile that on top and feel even more empowered. Don't worry if your cash reserves earn little or even absolutely zero interest in the bank. That's okay. They're not supposed to. The purpose of emergency savings is to be accessible and liquid in the short term. If you invested your emergency money instead, the value could shrink to nothing the moment that you need it. So that's just too risky for your emergency funds. If you need to open a high yield checking account, which is what I recommend, check out a resource I created called the Online Bank Comparison Chart to find the best offer for you. At the end of the show, I'll tell you how to download this resource for free. Okay, moving on to the second strategy to improve your financial life if you get a raise or bonus or some kind of financial windfall is to fill your insurance gaps. In addition to using extra income to create a financial cushion in the bank, another critical way to protect yourself and those you love from something unexpected jeopardizing your financial security is having enough of the right types of insurance. Without it, a catastrophic event like a health problem, car accident, natural disaster, or a death in your family could wipe out everything you've worked so hard to earn. Now, I know it's not pleasant to think about what bad things could happen, which is precisely why so many people are underinsured. 
But managing different types of risk is actually pretty easy in a financial sense because most of them can be offloaded or transferred to an insurance company. So I'll run down some of the most important types of insurance to have. The first is health insurance. This is so important because any kind of medical issue or accident could leave you with a massive bill. Even a quick trip to the emergency room or a short hospital stay could cost thousands of dollars. No matter what changes the Trump administration makes to the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, you still need a health plan to protect both your health and your finances. If you don't get health insurance through work, use a resource like insurancequotes.com or healthcare.gov to find out your eligibility for benefits for programs like Obamacare, Medicaid, Medicare, and the Children's Health Insurance Program, which is known as CHIP. Disability insurance is another really important, yet often overlooked coverage that every earner should have. It provides a percentage of replacement income if you're unable to work due to a disability, illness, or accident. Remember, guys, that health insurance only pays a portion of your medical bills. It doesn't pay for living expenses like housing or food if you can't earn money for an extended period. If you don't have a disability policy through work, or maybe you do, but it's really small and it's just not sufficient, you can purchase a policy on your own and have enough emergency money set aside to tide you over until coverage begins. Sometimes there's a waiting period before your disability coverage kicks in. Okay, life insurance is another critical, critical policy when your death would create a financial hardship for those you leave behind, like a spouse or children. It can help put those kids through college, pay off debt, or just provide daily living expenses for those that survive you. There are different types of policies, but the most common and least expensive option is called term life. It gives one or more of your beneficiaries a cash benefit if you die during a set period of time, like 10 or 20 years. Again, if you don't have life insurance through work, or if you do but it just isn't enough, figure out how much you need. There are some great calculators out there. Uh, A great one is on bankrate.com. It's called How Much Life Insurance Do I Need? And I'll put a link to this resource in the notes for this show on the Money Girl page at quickanddirtytips.com. Now, if you're a driver, you probably already have auto insurance. It's a collection of coverages that protect you and other drivers in your household. A minimum amount of auto liability is required by most states because it pays your legal obligations if you damage someone's property or injure them in an accident. However, in many cases, having just the minimum liability, it's not enough to cover the total value of all of your assets if you were involved in a lawsuit. So I want you to review your coverage at least once a year and use any extra income you have to boost your coverage if you need it. Homeowner's insurance is another requirement when you have a mortgage. It covers the structure of your home and your personal belongings that are anywhere in the world up to certain limits. But just like with auto insurance, the liability portion of your homeowner's policy may not be high enough to protect you. It would pay legal or medical expenses if a guest is injured on your property or if you hurt someone and get into a lawsuit. And the last policy I wanna mention is renter's insurance. Now, this one is not a requirement. 
but it's one of the best financial safety nets that you can have if you're renting your home or apartment. Not only does it cover your personal belongings up to certain limits anywhere in the world, but you also get liability coverage if someone gets hurt in your rental or you hurt someone in the rental or off-premises. The average annual cost of renter's insurance is really low. It's just $188 per year. That's a bargain. You work hard to build wealth and have a comfortable life. So remember to protect it from tragedies like accidents, illness, natural disasters, and theft by reviewing your insurance needs each year and boosting coverage when needed. Moving on to the third strategy to use your extra income wisely. The third is to increase your retirement account contributions at work. After you're prepared for the unexpected by having emergency savings and insurance, The next strategy to manage your extra income wisely is to boost your retirement account. You already know that contributing to your 401k, 403b, or 457 retirement plan at work is a good idea, especially if you're getting additional free matching funds from your employer. If your contributions are set up as a percentage of income, you'll automatically save more and get more matching as your income goes up. But if your retirement contribution is a flat dollar amount, like $50 per paycheck, it won't increase unless you make a manual change online or through your benefits administrator. Getting a pay raise is the perfect time to kick up your contribution. Let's say you make $50,000 per year and you get a 3% raise. That means you'll earn an additional $1,500. That's an extra $125 per month before taxes. If you contribute just that amount every month for 30 years to a traditional retirement account with an average 6% return, it will grow to over $125,000. So increase your contribution each pay raise until you're setting aside a minimum of 10 to 15% of your gross income. For 2017, you can contribute up to $18,000 or $24,000 if you're over age 50 to a workplace retirement plan. The trick is to act quickly to make these changes after you get more income so you're not tempted to spend your extra money. You're already used to living on the money that you made before, so saving your extra income shouldn't feel like a pinch. With a $50,000 salary, investing 15% for several decades would give you over $625,000 to spend in retirement on top of your Social Security retirement benefit. Imagine the effect of investing 15% of your income as you earn more through promotions, raises, or bonuses each year. Some investment companies give you the option to increase your 401k contribution rate by 1% at the start of each year. The more you automate investing, the more likely you are to succeed. So I certainly recommend putting it on autopilot. And if you're not contributing to a 401k or other plan at work, you might want to check out podcast number 385 called Seven Pros and Cons of Investing in a 401k Retirement Plan at Work. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals 
are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey there, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses, and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, strategy number four is to fund an individual retirement arrangement, or IRA. If you don't have a workplace retirement account, or if you do, but you've maxed it out, invest through a traditional or a Roth IRA when you have extra income. The money-saving tax benefits are comparable to a traditional or Roth 401k or 403b, so they stretch your dollar. But with an IRA, the annual contribution limits are lower, and they're not necessarily automatic, and they don't come with free matching, which most 401k plans do, which is why I recommend maxing out your workplace plan first if it's an option. For 2017, you can contribute up to $5,500 or $6,500 if you're over age 50 to either a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, or to a combination of both types of accounts. However, if you or your spouse have a retirement plan at work and you also contribute to a traditional IRA, the tax breaks you get for your IRA contributions may be limited depending on how much you earn and your tax filing status. But there's no limitation on tax benefits for a Roth IRA when you also have a workplace plan, so that's always a good option. But not everyone qualifies for a Roth IRA because they still come with annual income limits. For 2017, if you earn more than $118,000 as a single or $186,000 as a joint taxpayer, you may not be able to take full advantage of a Roth IRA. And I've done lots of podcasts about IRAs. So if you're interested in learning more, I recommend going to the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com and putting in Roth IRA in the search bar at the top right of the page, and you'll see a lot of shows that'll come up. Okay, the fifth strategy is to pay down expensive debt. After you've got some emergency savings to cover your back, you've got enough insurance in place, and you're making regular contributions, even if they're small amounts, to a retirement account, you're ready to use your extra income to pay down your most expensive high-interest debts. These might include payday loans, credit cards, or car loans that have a 10% annual percentage rate or APR or higher, so anything that's in the double digits. In general, it's best to tackle your highest rate debt first because it's costing you the most in interest. However, if you have a small, lower rate loan that you're just really anxious to be finished with, it's okay to tackle that first too. Leave your low-rate debts, like mortgages and student loans, for last because they're relatively inexpensive 
and they come with a tax deduction on some or all of the interest that you pay, which makes them cost even less on an after-tax basis. And number six, the last strategy, is set aside money for your dreams. If you've got a handle on your savings, retirement, and debt, use extra income to fund your dreams. Maybe you've got your heart set on traveling the world, giving to a worthy charity, starting a business, or going back to school. Use these six recommendations as a framework to set your financial priorities and come up with a wise plan. But guys, there's no rule that you can't accomplish all of them. After a pay raise, take some time to analyze your spending and create a budget if you don't have one. Find categories to cut back so you can boost your short-term savings, your retirement contributions, and whittle down debt. Maybe you can do all of them in small amounts at the same time. One popular budgeting approach that you might want to adopt is called the 50-30-20 rule. It's a basic guideline for setting limits on your living expenses, your variable expenses, and your savings. Here's how it works. With the 50-30-20 rule, you spend no more than 50% of your net income on necessities and your fixed expenses. So things are things like housing, utilities, insurance, groceries, transportation, and your debt payments. You limit your variable or discretionary expenses to 30% of your take-home pay. So these are things that enhance your lifestyle, but they're not necessities. So dining out, Clothes shopping, cable TV, travel, gifts, those are all things that would fit into this 30% bucket. And then the remaining 20% is for your financial goals, like building your emergency fund, making retirement contributions, and paying down debt ahead of schedule. While these are ideal rules of thumb, you can certainly change the percentages to work for your situation. Only you know what is a necessity and what isn't. The key to building wealth is to maintain reasonable expenses while also increasing your income year after year. That gives you an increasing amount of discretionary income to save, invest, and enjoy life. The bottom line is that having more income and cash flow is fantastic. But if you spend it carelessly, it won't help you achieve your unique goals or build more financial security. I mentioned that your top priority should be an emergency fund in a bank savings account. To compare some of the best offers, you might want to download a one-page resource I created that's called the Online Bank Comparison Chart. To get it, you can simply text me the phrase bank online. So text bank online with no space to the number 33444 and you'll instantly be able to download the online bank comparison chart. Maybe that'll be a great opportunity for you to open up a high-yield bank account and start accumulating your emergency savings. And if you want to keep the money conversation going with a terrific community, I want to invite you to join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. To request your invitation, you can visit Dominate Your Dollars on Facebook or send me another text message for immediate access. For this, just text DOLLARS, that's D-O-L-L-A-R-S, that same number, 33444. I hope to see you in the group. And you can also reach me directly through my contact page at lauradadams.com. 
I want to thank you for downloading the show. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, be sure to do that so you get every new episode the moment it's released. If you're on iTunes, please take a minute to submit a quick five-star review. If you haven't rated and reviewed the show yet, that's something I would really, really appreciate you doing. It helps the show stay visible in iTunes and also helps new listeners find us and get the financial information and help that they need to live a richer life. I read all of your reviews and they mean so much to me. I really love getting your feedback. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week, courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. (laughs) 